Julian Zelizer is our guest, political historian at Princeton University and a New America Foundation fellow. He's published over 500 op-eds, including his weekly column on CNN.com. He's received fellowships from the Brookings Institution, the Guggenheim Foundation, and the Russell Sage Foundation. His book is the fierce urgent, the latest book he's written others, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress, and the Battle for the Great Society. More than a pleasure to have back on the show, friend of the show and mine, Julian Zelizer. Julian, good afternoon and welcome back, buddy. Hi there. Thanks for having me. You know, I have you on regularly just because I like you and I like your expertise, and I'm so proud of all your writings and appearances now on CNN. I'm always liking your Facebook posts. Um, but I, I don't always have the time to read everything that you write unless you're going to be on. But this was different. I read Are We In For An October Surprise and then said, guys, I want Julian on about this. I want to talk not only about this piece that you wrote for CNN, but also – um, in light of the debate, if anything has changed much necessarily in your piece. Um, uh, but let, let's talk about it. We are uh, closer and closer to the election. I mean, you know, we're already into uh, September and uh, almost in uh, to October. And you write entitled, Are We In For An October Surprise? Um, and you say that voters begin to wonder if there's going to be an October surprise. Um, do you think that there will be? And does having written this before the debates change that for you? Well, if I knew there would be one, it wouldn't be much of a surprise. So uh, <laughs> that's the nature of it. Every Every election, we speculate on this. And Either nothing materializes uh, or unexpected things materialize that don't actually change the election results, um, or nothing, uh, you know, of significance happens. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if anything's going to happen. I try to outline in the article reasons why this year might be a little more unstable than before because of the Internet and the potential for data dumps and leaks uh, because of the threat of, of terrorism. Um, but that's where I am, uh, thinking about how it might happen rather than predicting that it will. Let's also talk about, you know, what, what you mentioned. I want to look historically because, you know, that's your area of expertise, especially, you know, as to October surprises in the past. But for this election, yeah. um, today we had a piece that came out uh, that was leaked a little on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow. And, um, you know, then even, um, you know, more so once the piece was full on out there uh, with Newsweek magazine talking about Donald Trump's connections with Cuba. Is this kind of the, a surprise that doesn't necessarily go anywhere? I mean, it, it's not going to have people who support him flock away, and it's certainly not going to have people who aren't supporting him flock yeah. to him. Yeah, I mean, the nature of the October surprise is it has to be either some revelation of information or some action by one of the candidates that fundamentally changes where the polls are and where voters are. Uh, and, you know, if there's just news or a leak about uh, his connections with Cuba, I'm sure there'll be more of these kinds of stories, but it doesn't uh, make his supporters leave him, uh, and it doesn't really have a big effect on the overall balance in the battleground states. Uh, then it's just a, a normal piece of new news that's obviously going to emerge uh, in, in October. Things happen. Uh, so if we're talking about an October surprise, it has to fundamentally change the way the election is going, either causing him to really start to plummet or have him actually overtake Clinton in the polls. Before we talk historically, if you had to go to Vegas and bet on this, Julian, do you think that something like that that we've seen in the past and we're going to talk about um, might occur in the next month? I, I think the odds are low uh, in, in part. Because even if something does happen, 
through a revelation. Feelings are so hardened about both of these candidates, and the electorate is so polarized that it's going to take something huge, something really dramatic to shift voters from one place to another. And what we've seen is the electorate just isn't moving, and we've had lots of surprises already, and we've had lots of revelations. Um, but people seem to be exactly, you know, where they should be in terms of the red and blue map and in terms of how they feel about this unusual candidate. So let's go back and let's talk about some uh, people. Um, this, first of all, you write about in the history, actually, of an October surprise. This uh, gained popularity or more momentum in the 1980 election uh, when uh, Reagan had a campaign, right? Yeah, so it was a concept people in politics had, talk, had spoken about for a long time. Uh, but it's in 1980 that Reagan officials are convinced that Jimmy Carter is going to bring an end to the Iran hostage crisis right before the election, uh, and that this would swing the election toward the president because this would be a huge victory. Uh, so they talked about it. Uh, they spread this uh, in, in the press. But obviously it didn't happen. Uh, the big surprise was the hostages were released after Reagan was inaugurated, and it ultimately benefited him. Uh, yeah, and that, so that's a, an area where, you know, you, in a sense, can uh, take advantage of that to your, um, you know, favor, obviously, with Ronald Reagan winning the election. Carter was a, a one-term president. Would you also say, just a sidebar, that Carter should get credit for that, not Reagan, technically? Oh, absolutely. That was a, a deal that was worked out privately uh, by the Carter administration. Reagan officials were right. He was trying to work out a deal, not because of the election, but because he wanted this to end, and he does have that deal in place, but the Iranians dislike Carter so much that they won't let the hostages leave until Reagan is inaugurated. So it actually, uh, despite the fears and warnings, works out in his favor. Have any October surprises, when you look historically, really impacted the uh, impacted the outcome of any election that we've had in the U.S. historically? No, the, again, there's so few of them. And, and the one big one that happened was in October of 1968. We're in the middle of the Vietnam War, and Nixon is convinced that Johnson's going to make some big announcement in the middle of the campaign to benefit the Democratic nominee, Hubert Humphrey, and he does. On October 31st, he says that there would be a bombing halt against the North Vietnamese, and they were going to try to work out a peace agreement. So that surprise happened, but Nixon actually won the election. So what's amazing is the one real example we have of something that dramatic didn't actually benefit the person you think uh, would have been helped by that news. Uh, you, you also write in 56 that Egyptian President Gamal Abdel Nasser nationalized the Suez Canal. The Soviets invaded Hungary shortly before the election, um, and that uh, that even the responses by Eisenhower, not only the crises, were not determining factors um, in that landslide victory against Adelaide Stevenson. We're, Stevenson excuse me. We're going to be back with Julian Zelizer right after this. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. Hey there, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Just want to let you know that GEICO has been saving people money for over 75 years. Back to our guest here on the only true democracy in talk radio, talking with Julian Zelizer, political historian at Princeton University, a New America Foundation fellow who has published over 500 op-eds. He has a weekly column on CNN.com, and his latest book is entitled The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress, and the Battle for the Great Society. We're talking with him about October surprises. He wrote a great piece for CNN asking just that, are we in for an October surprise? Julian says he doesn't think so, and um, we're talking about the history not only of October surprises, 
prizes, but how it rarely, except for one time he had mentioned before the break, has impacted presidential elections. Uh, Julian, thank you for holding and welcome back. And I was just referring to uh, 56. Eisenhower had a landslide victory against Stevenson. Um, and, and you say that he, if a candidate like Eisenhower is an example in 56 is well on their way to victory, um, before there's a crisis, then an October surprise definitely isn't going to matter at all, right? No, absolutely. I mean, in his case, people liked the way he responded to the crises, and it was seen as an example of successful leadership, but he was going to win. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the events that led him to win. The Democrat was doing very badly, Adlai Stevenson, and he was already enormously popular. So that's just one example of where these events happen, uh, but it's wrong to use them to explain the outcome of the election. In 1964, one of President Lyndon Johnson's, as you write, closest and, and tr- most trusted aides, Walter Jenkins, now folks, we're going to remember the year, 1964, was arrested in a Washington YMCA for engaging in sexual acts with a man. Now, President Johnson feared it would hurt his campaign. He went on to enjoy a landslide victory against Republican Barry Goldwater. And, Jillian, I'm wondering, does the October surprise matter more if it's something directly linked with the candidate as opposed to somebody around them, such was the case with uh, Johnson and uh, his aide Jenkins? It might be. I mean, in that case, Jenkins was very close to Johnson, and everyone who read the story quickly learned that uh, these were uh, not only colleagues but friends. Uh, there are examples where news breaks that directly influences the candidate. So one example I talk about is in 2000 when there was the revelation that uh, George Bush had been arrested on a drunk driving charge back in 1976. News actually breaks in early November, and that's a big scandal, uh, but it doesn't have much of an effect on the polls either. So uh, whether it's someone close to the candidate or actually the candidate, uh, it's just more evidence that, that these things don't necessarily shake the election the way people fear. But in spite of that, Julian, on both sides, Democrats and Republicans have people out there working night and day to dig up dirt. We saw yeah. so much dirt before Bill Clinton was elected, uh, Jennifer Flowers, um, and Paula Jones came later. But, you know, uh, background uh, of affairs. Um, and then, you know, right now we see that any kind of dirt they're trying to dig up on Hillary, things that she said about any group of people, whether it's somebody disabled or a Hispanic, an African-American, uh, even when she was a defense attorney, how dare she defend the rapist uh, that allegedly uh, raped a child that it was her job to defend. Um, why do people go to such lengths and spend so much time and so much money um, and energy and effort on this when historically – you pretty much cited one October surprise that made a difference because they don't have a potential uh, difference in the outcome of an election. Well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I, th- I think campaigns do a lot of things that won't necessarily uh, bring the rewards that they're hoping for. I think campaign experts see the campaign as a, a huge operation that lasts over months and that every piece of what happens is part of a bigger picture it's part of a bigger effort to knock out your opponent so the reason these scandals or these kinds of stories that come out might be relevant not because any individual story uh, for example would uh, destroy hillary clinton's candidacy but republicans are hoping that 
overall, because of everything from the email and Benghazi investigations through the final stories they tell in October, when voters go and make that decision, which only lasts a few seconds, all of that has built an unfavorable image of the candidate in their head. Uh, so I think that's why they do it. And I also think it's something of a gamble. They are hoping that even if it doesn't work, uh, usually work, that this time it will. And they'll find that one story that really changes the way voters are seeing this election. So that's why campaign officials do it. And also, you can have something that comes as a surprise that somebody hopes to benefit them and it benefits the other. I mean, when Johnson, you know, basically said he was going to, um, he announced he's going to undertake the immediate bombing halt against the North Vietnamese, he wanted to reach a peace agreement. Uh, Nixon's people go, wait a minute, our campaign already promised that. And uh, Johnson didn't get a leg up on that. Nixon became president. That's true. And it's, it's very hard to predict how events will impact candidates. Uh, we, we think we know it, or the campaign people think they can game it all out, but it doesn't work that way. And that's something people have raised. How will any kind of crisis in foreign policy or uh, acts of terrorism like we saw in New York recently affect the campaign? And both parties can see why it potentially could benefit their candidate. Uh, but it's but it's unclear. You know, voters don't have a very clear picture of one person being better at something than the other. Uh, so as these events unfold and as the news happens and the politicians respond, uh, this often moves in very different directions than the campaigns think. You talked about George W. Bush having been arrested for drunk driving, didn't really, you know, move a needle anywhere. But in 1992, um, there was a three-way race between President George H.W. Bush, Democrat Bill Clinton, uh, Independent Ross Perot. And obviously, George W. is uh, George H.W.'s son. Uh, uh, George H.W. Uh, is not arrested for drunk driving, as far as we know. Uh, but in that three-way race between Bush, Clinton, and Perot, Former Secretary of Defense Casper Weinberger was indicted for having lied to a prosecutor during the Iran-Contra investigation, and the indictment brought back memories of scandals in the Reagan administration. And Bush obviously was associated heavily with that because he was VP. Uh, the news hurt Bush, and he lost. But you and many others feel there were other factors responsible for his defeat, m- more so the economic recession as opposed to this October surprise, correct? Yeah, so that's that's a big event that happens right before the election. In this case, the president does something which is uh, detrimental to themselves. This is something that really loomed large over Bush in 1988 and 92. How close was he to all of Iran-Contra? What was his role in what was really the biggest scandal of the post-Watergate period? And he does this, and it quickly brings back... Uh, all the negative arguments about what Bush might have done as vice president, uh, how he was willing to protect the people involved. Um, But in the end, that surprise is not why President Bush lost. It was the economic recession. It was uh, his failure to really respond to it or offer Americans confidence that he cared there was a recession. Uh, That and other factors um, were equally, if not much more important than the quote-unquote October surprise. Um, I want to talk about um, this year, Uh, even though you said if you had to go to Vegas, you wouldn't bet there'd be an October surprise. Um, But if there was an October surprise, you say it could have a dramatic effect. And what you talk about is a factor that didn't play into these other historically uh, October surprises, which is technology. Why is that? Well, the Internet's created a different kind of political playing field. And 
certainly what we've seen with the um, dump, the data dump of all these emails uh, and other kinds of memos during the course of the campaign uh, and before the campaign started is that regardless of what the candidates do, other political forces from individuals acting on their own to potentially state-sponsored hacking uh, can quickly and without any kind of filter release all sorts of damaging information in a way that was impossible 20 or 30 years ago where the gatekeepers to the news were much stronger. And so I do think the Internet is the one place something might happen that has a big impact, and it's one area I don't think either party really knows how to handle, uh, and they're trying to figure it out. But it's, it's the kind of instability and uncertainty campaigns really hate. Let's take some calls in Phoenix online, too, is Jeff. Jeff is listening on KPHX Radio. Jeff, good afternoon and welcome. Question or comment for our guest, Julian Zelizer? Uh, a comment on that I was totally surprised. Uh, I think that I was totally surprised, maybe. I think that uh, maybe uh, as far as Donald Trump considering that uh, charge of uh, rape of a 13-year-old, involving sexual contact with a 13-year-old, I think that uh, being that he's not too bright, he probably may have thought that he protected himself. But, uh, you know, your DNA is in saliva, and saliva shouldn't be found on a 13-year-old's neck or any other part of her body, and it's yours. So I think that they already have certain proof on him, and not going to release that until maybe October. Um, okay, Jeff, thank you for bringing that up. Mar- uh, uh, Julian, he is accurate in that here in Los Angeles there is um, an allegation of rape, uh, a girl who's not 13 now but was 13 at the time at some kind of like a sex party or something. And uh, the trial has been uh, delayed, but it's not being canceled. And obviously there was enough evidence to get to the point um, of a trial, and he will be called. He will be he will be subpoenaed if he hasn't been already for this. Um, is that something that could um, really hurt him, or because they're saying that it could be right around uh, uh, November eighth, and some people are saying it will be even after November eighth? God, if you imagine if you elect a president and then ha- you know were found uh, guilty of uh, raping a then thirteen year old girl, but I, I can't imagine. But is th- is that a big enough uh, thing tied to to a candidate in your uh, professional opinion? Well, yeah, if it was true and if he was really implicated in, in this story that, that I've seen uh, in different news places on the web, uh, obviously that could be very damaging. Uh, uh, something uh, of that sort could be exactly what tanks uh, candidate. Um, obviously, though, at this point, I, I have no idea uh, uh, what what is involved in the case and, and how serious it is. Uh, but it is an example of the Internet. And so as these stories surface, uh, whether they are strong and solid or whether they are not, they'll be out there. And that's part of what the campaigns have to deal with. Okay, thank you for the uh, call there. Um, I think we're going to oh, – we're not taking a break, right? We're going all the way through. It's like, what day is it? What a, what day is it? What hour uh, it, it, is it? Um, I when you look at this election, and we had just talked about technology, and you explained how it was a factor, and I never thought of that until I read this article. Um, but uh, let's talk about outside sources. Um, we have seen Vladimir Putin and his country of Russia do some crazy things uh, with regard to aligning themselves with Iran and helping back uh, Assad in Syria um, with uh, the um, annex of the Crimean Peninsula in Ukraine. 
and alleged hacking into uh, DNC computers and allegedly um, the uh, rigging after the debates originated in Russia uh, on the online polls. Um, Could an outside country, individual, or action be a factor? Could that be an October surprise, or does it have to directly come from within one's campaign? Well, there's no there's no textbook uh, in terms of textbook definition of what's right or wrong. And October surprise can be absolutely anything that shakes the election. And I do think there's serious concern about the potential for state-sponsored mayhem uh, in this election, whether we're talking about the hacking of electronic voting machines or what we've seen already with uh, the hacking of sensitive information and its release onto the Internet involving the campaigns. And I do think both campaigns are worried about this, and certainly uh, Russia has emerged as one of the big forces that are involved with this. Again, it's not new. Uh, you know, mischief by one government in the election of another, including the U.S., has done this uh, in, in, in different moments in history, is, is something um, that, that has happened before. And uh, I think what people are worried about is just the ability to really have an impact on the election, to really sway the election again, increases as the Internet offers this tool where the filters are gone. I, I also uh, want to look at right now the claims that Trump is making, especially, you know, after uh, the debate. Are are any of these things, and I know you don't have a crystal ball, but is something like that or, or these things collectively, uh, the lies that just come back, uh, you know, and, and things that he's done in the past that come back, like calling a woman, you know, a pig or a housekeeper fat shaming as an example, which we're going to be talking about in the next hour. Um, are, are those things collectively something that, like you said, there's no de- definition for a surprise that could hurt the individual? Or at this point in the game, is it also because it's October that the October surprise comes in that people just have their feet, you know, so grounded, cemented, if you will, into who they're going to support at this point? They do, although, uh, you know, Donald Trump has had pockets of Republican support that are very soft, including uh, many Republican women who are not particularly thrilled about what he's saying. And in terms of undecided voters, the bar is higher for him to really sway them that he is a person people can vote for. And I do think some of the statements he's been making uh, can hurt him on both those fronts, especially uh, about women. And we've seen some of this register in the polls after the debate uh, where, where things didn't go well for him, and, and those were the kinds of comments with the Miss America controversy, for example, um, that, that really uh, might weaken him after a month where he's really been narrowing the gap in the polls. I want to ask uh, an, another question. WikiLeaks head Julian Assange uh, has said he has more damaging information coming out regarding Hillary Clinton. He says he's going to release it prior to the election. Um, security experts have pinpointed the source of the hacked documents that he received being from Russia. How can her campaign prepare for something like this? Because this could be for her an October surprise. Yeah, well, I don't know what the information is. That's the other part of all this. With both of these candidates, we know so much about them and so much about their flaws and vulnerabilities. It's just very hard for anything to shock the electorate at this time. So I'm not sure what he's talking about. Uh, if it's, uh, you know, more information involving the campaign with Bernie Sanders that might anger some liberals in the Democratic Party, uh, unless he has some 
proof that she somehow violated a, a law. Um, I, I'm just not sure uh, what else can come out at this point on that front. And how to respond is, is, is the way she's responded now to Donald Trump's claims as they emerge in the debates, as they emerge on the campaign trail, quickly, effectively, and forcefully. Uh, it's that war room mentality that her husband also pioneered in 1992 that I think is the most effective way to deal with this. I agree with you. Julian Zelizer, follow him on Twitter at Julian Zelizer, J-U-L-I-A-N-Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R. His website, JulianZelizer.com. Read his great pieces weekly at CNN.com and pick up his book, The Fierce Urgency of Now, Lyndon Johnson, Congress, and the Battle for the Great Society. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.